hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. The story is told of a huge crowd that was watching the famous tightrope walker Blondin as he crossed the Niagara Falls in the 1860s, excuse me. He crossed numerous times, some 1,000 feet across and some 160 feet high above the rapids, and he not only walked across, but he also took a wheelbarrow across on this tightrope several times, and there was a young boy standing in awe watching him, and when he had come across another time, the He saw the young man and said, do you believe that I can take a person in this wheelbarrow and go across the falls? And the young man looked at Blondin and said, yes, sir, I I sure do. And so Blondin looked at this young man and said, son, get in. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were the young man watching Blondin cross this tightrope across Niagara Falls and he said to me, get in, I'd have to say, I don't want to be first. I want to make sure that you can take somebody across and bring them back safely before I placed my trust in him. And trust is something that we want to talk about this evening concerning this this good news of great joy. Our, Our sermon this evening is entitled Tidings of Comfort and Joy. And someone has said that trust is the willingness to give someone the power to harm you and hoping they won't. Trust is giving someone the power to harm you and hoping they won't. They go on to say that trust involves risk, being vulnerable, and having expectations while still being loose enough to allow for naivety. The dictionary defines trust as Assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. It goes on to say that trust is uh, something in which we place our confidence. I don't know about you, but trust doesn't come very easy to me. I don't trust that well. I have to get to know you. I have to know that I can trust you. So I'll start out with something small. And as our relationship grows, I will trust you more and more. And my willingness to trust is based on my past experience with someone. And in our text today, our text revolves around this issue of trust. Not trusting someone, but trusting God. And today we're going to see two situations that are similar and yet the outcomes are vastly different. So if you will, turn with me to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. And to set the context, the first third of Isaiah is nothing but bad news. You see, the the Jews had rejected Yahweh. They had rejected God. And they had chosen to go their own way and do things their way. And you will see throughout the first 29 chapters of of Isaiah, God is asking them, he is wooing them, he is pleading with them to come back to him. As Israel has turned 
to other gods. And the nation has been fractured and it is now divided between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom being Israel, the southern kingdom being Judah. And they've turned their back on their God. And yet God has, has continually asked them to come back. He says, if you come back, things will be like they once were. Things will be good. You have my blessing. But if you decide not to come back, well, then you suffer the consequences. And Israel chose to go their own way and to do their own thing. They rejected God and even went after other gods. And the current king in Judah, the southern kingdom, is, uh, his name is Ahaz. And he is the grandson of Uzziah, who we find in, in Isaiah chapter 6. Now, hold your finger here, and will you turn with me to the left to 2 Chronicles? So hold your finger here. Go to the left in your Bibles or on your phones to, to 2 Chronicles chapter 28. It's here that we get a little insight into this king, Ahaz, who was king of Judah. So 2 Chronicles 28 the time frame is roughly 736 B.C. And here is what is recorded in 2 Chronicles 28, verse 1. It says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do right in the sight of the Lord as, his father, as David his father had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, he also made molten images for the balls. And moreover, verse 3, he burned incense in the valley of Ben-Hanam and burned his sons in the fire. That is, he sacrificed his sons to false gods. According to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel, verse 4, he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. And so in these four verses, we learn a lot about King Ahaz. He was not like his father David, who was a man after God's own heart. He was, an, he was a very evil king, and he did evil in the sight of God. Uh, he worshipped foreign gods, and he was very pagan. Uh, he didn't trust Yahweh, and he didn't worship Yahweh. But he went after and worshipped other gods. And as a result of his leadership, and as a result of Judah's refusal to come back and serve Yahweh, the nation suffered severe losses. Look with me, 2 Chronicles 28. Go down to verse 19, where we, we, we see this in the text. Verse 19. For the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had brought about a lack of restraint in Judah and was very unfaithful to the Lord. This is not a pretty picture for the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. Ahaz's actions has led the nation down a path where there was only fear and despair and suffering. There's no sense of comfort. There's no sense of joy. There's no sense of peace in, in, in Judah. And to make matters worse, in 734 B.C., things go from bad to worse. Will you bring up the map for me, Stuart? You see, in 734 B.C., the Edomites from the southeast attacked Judah. And the Philistines from the west also attacked Judah. From the north, you had Israel. 
and you had Syria all threatening to attack, attack Judah and, and invade Jerusalem. And if you continue to read the rest of 2 Chronicles chapter 28, you will see the very things that happened during this time. And this kind of sets our context for Isaiah chapter 7. So if you go back with me there to Isaiah chapter 7, we will pick up the text uh, in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 1. Our key text is verse 14, but just for context's sake, let's look at verse 1, where it says, Now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but they could not conquer it. Verse 2, when it, was, when it was reported to the house of David, saying, The Arameans have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. You get the idea? Judah is being threatened by Israel to the north and also uh, by, by Syria. And the people's hearts have been shaken. There's great fear in Judah. There is no comfort. There is no joy. There is no peace because of the threats from Israel and the threats from, from, from Damascus. But look at verse 3 with me, where God offers comfort to Ahaz. Verse 3, this is what God does. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Shir Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, take care and be calm. Have no fear and do not be faint-hearted. Because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands, on account of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Ramalia. Verse 5, because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has planned evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Verse 7, thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. God is aware of the situation in Judah. He is aware of how the people are feeling. He is aware of the anxiety and the strife, and God offers Ahaz comfort and joy in the midst of trial and struggle. In the midst of these serious threats, God offers him comfort and joy. And something that we learn from this passage is simply this. Even here in the 21st century, in 2022, God is aware of the stress that you are experiencing. He is aware of the things with which you're struggling. He understands those things that have you frightened and fearful, and he understands the things that are troubling your heart. We may not see it, but God does, and he knows exactly what you're going through. And in the midst of the strife, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of your struggles, God can offer you comfort and joy, and peace. Now, think about this. Here's a question. If God would offer King Ahaz 
who doesn't worship him, has rejected him, has gone after other gods, and has, has led his people to this point of uncertainty. If he would offer him comfort and joy, what would he do for those who love him? For those who worship him, for those who love him, for those who follow his commandments, what would he do for them in the midst of strife and struggle? And so look at verse 8 with me of Isaiah chapter 7. And God, God makes this clear. For he says, for the, for the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. Now within another 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered so that it is no longer a people. Verse 9, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you will not believe, you surely shall not last. God reminds Ahaz through Isaiah that both Israel and, and, and Damascus are ruled by men who are finite and feeble in the presence of God compared to God who, who is Israel's God, who is Judah's God. And God reminds him, these are simply men. And look at what he says. If you will not believe, you surely shall not last. Ahaz, if you don't believe what God has told me to tell you, then your days are numbered. And by the way, Isaiah has his son with him, Shear Jeshub. His name means a remnant shall return. Could this be a message to Ahaz? Since Israel and Judah have both chosen to reject God. By the way, they're going to go into captivity for 70 years. And a remnant will return. And this is a message to Ahaz. To, you won't be utterly destroyed, but trust me. You know, maybe Ahaz should have read the Psalms that his father, David, had written. Rather than going after other gods. In Psalm 27, David says this. In verse 1, it's not on the screen, but he says this. The Lord is, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Verse 2, when evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Perhaps Ahaz should have read the Psalms and sent for the scroll, the, the scroll with the Psalms. Maybe he would have had a little more faith in what Yahweh had to say. David continues, Psalm 27, verse 5, For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. David says, in time of trouble, I go worship. Maybe if Ahaz had taken the time to read this, maybe things would have turned out just a little bit differently. And so God, through Isaiah, offers Ahaz a second chance at comfort. Look at verse 10 with me. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, ask, for, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord, your God. Make it 
deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Isaiah goes to Ahaz and says, look, God says, ask for a sign. Make it, make it as, as, as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Ask whatever you want is what he's saying. And God will give you this sign. But, but Ahaz, in his piety, in his false piety, says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Now, I'm sorry, but if God says, ask, you ask. But Ahaz is not going to do it because, truthfully, Ahaz didn't trust Yahweh. He didn't serve Yahweh. Matter of fact, in 2 Chronicles 28, 16, during this time, we learn from the chronicler that he says, at that time, King Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria for help. So rather than trust Yahweh, Ahaz goes to the, the, the now major power in the world, Assyria, and asks them for help to deal with Judah, would deal with Israel, excuse me, and Damascus. And yet he rejects help from God. He rejects help from the God of Judah, from the God of Israel. And so what does God do? God says, done with you, right? No, look at what God does, verse 13. Then he said, this is Isaiah talking, listen now, O house of David, it's plural, you rulers of, of Judah, listen now. Is it too little slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? Do you really want to try God's patience? Verse 14, here's our text. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. God says through Isaiah, since you don't want to ask for a sign, God himself will give you a sign. And he says, behold, listen, pay close attention. A virgin will be with child. Now, uh, in, in, in 734, the Hebrew word for, for virgin is Alma. And it means a a young girl, a young woman of marrying age. It doesn't necessarily mean someone who's not been with a man. But it's the idea of a, of a young maiden, a young girl, who's at the age where she can marry. And so Isaiah says that a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Imanu means with us. El means God. God with us. And this is the sign that God is going to give Ahaz. But keep reading. Look at verse 15 with me. Isaiah says this, He will eat curds and honey at that time. By the way, that's the food of poor people. He, uh, he will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse good and choose evil. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. In other words, this young woman is going to have a child, and she's going to name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
And before he's able to choose good and evil and know the difference, the two kings that you were worried about, Judah, I'm sorry, Israel, and, and Damascus, it says they will be no more. And you won't have to worry about them. Now, this prophecy, this sign from God ought to put Ahaz at ease. It ought to remove his anxiety. It ought to bring him a sense of comfort and joy. But it doesn't. And in 733 A.D., Tilglath-Pilzer, the king of Assyria, conquers both the northern kingdom and also Damascus. And then later on, towards the end of the, the 8th century, he, he begins to taunt Jerusalem. And in history, we learn that uh, eventually, Assyria falls, Babylon rises to power, and Babylon conquers Jerusalem and takes Judah into captivity. This, this sign in Isaiah 7.14 of this, this virgin bearing a child and calling his name Emmanuel is what, it has what we call a, a dual fulfillment. It has a, a near fulfillment in the life of Ahaz and Isaiah, and it also has a, a future fulfillment. Where around 4 to 3 B.C., God's people are once again living a life filled with fear and uncertainty and strife and subjugation. But it's not from Assyria or Babylon. This time it's from Rome. And although Israel has some sense of, of autonomy, they are oppressed, they're taxed heavily, and they're broken. And there is some sense that God has abandoned the nation of Israel, that he has left them to fend for themselves because he hasn't spoken to them in over 400 years. God has been silent. He hasn't sent a prophet. He hasn't sent an angel, not even a text or social media post. God has been silent. And it's about A.D. or B.C. 4 or 3 B.C., that God sends an angel to a, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph. And if you turn with me to Luke chapter 1 in the New Testament, let's look at what happens. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, 26. The text says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from heaven, was sent from God, excuse me, to the city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Luke mentions the sixth month. This is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist who was related to Jesus. And Luke says that in the sixth month, Gabriel came, and he came to a virgin. Now, the Greek word for virgin at this time was the Greek word parthenos. And parthenos had the, had the idea of a young woman who has not had sexual relations with a man. 
So this is virgin in the truest sense. A young woman who has not been with a man. And God sends the angel Gabriel to her. And look what happens, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. Sound familiar? Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Unlike Ahaz's response to God, Mary has a different response. Look at verse 38 with me of Luke chapter 1. And Mary, had, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of, of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Mary said, If that's what God has said, so be it. She trusted Yahweh. She trusted her God. And there was this sense of, of comfort within Mary's heart. There was this sense of, of, of joy. And when you find the time, take the, take the time to read Mary's response found in verses 46 through 55. It's called her Magnificent. It's, it's her song after receiving this message from the angel. In, in verse 52, she says this about her Lord. She says, he has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. You see the correlation? Back to Isaiah. And so Mary believes the word that God has sent through this angel. But there's a second angel that's found in Matthew chapter 1. Will you turn there with me to the left? Go to Matthew chapter 1 with me. Because another angel comes with a very similar message. And I'm going to begin in verse 20. You see, Mary is, is engaged to a man named Joseph. And when she realizes that she's pregnant, she goes away for about three months. And when she comes back, Joseph sees her, and she's probably showing a little bit. And he begins to wonder, you know, what have you been up to? And he wants to put her away secretly because he's not sure, well, can I trust her? She's been gone for three months, and she comes back, and she's got this little pouch. What's going on? And so he desires to put her away secretly, to divorce her secretly, secretly and not bring shame upon her. And look at what happens in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Here's why. For he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, verse 23, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God offers comfort and joy in the midst of oppression. He offers comfort and joy in the midst of fear. He offers comfort and joy in the midst of uncertainty. 
It was valid in 735 BC. It was valid in 3 or 4 BC, and it's valid in 2022, heading into 2023. God is faithful, and he will offer you comfort and joy in your situation, no matter how bad it is. He cares for you. And so Jesus came to offer salvation to his people. To save them from their sins. Not the Romans, but from their sins. Because they had offended a holy and a just and a righteous God. And he came to satisfy that wrath. He came to offer them a personal and intimate relationship with God. Matter of fact, we have today, if you belong to Jesus Christ, we have the very same relationship with God that Adam had in the garden with God before the fall. We have that same intimate, close, unshameful relationship where we can bear our souls and be naked before God and not be ashamed. Jesus came to offer that to us. He offers us comfort because we know that he is in control of everything that happens. Amen? Seeing that he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And he offers us comfort. And he came to offer us his peace. Not the world's peace, but that peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace that doesn't make sense when the world is crashing down around you. He offers us his peace. And he gives us his joy. You believe that today? You know, I know that this is, this is Christmas time and we're supposed to be happy, and we are, because of what God has done. But sometimes, there are some of us who may be going through a depression. And although we're smiling on the outside and we put on that mask, in the inside, we're falling apart, uncertain, without hope. And if that's you today, I want you to know God can offer you comfort and joy where you are. That's why Jesus came to die, so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. If you find yourself today surrounded by misery, uncertainty, fear, strife, look to Jesus. You can trust him, and he will grant you comfort and joy. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.